You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. Come on, open your Bibles up. Ephesians chapter 6, all right? It's been a few weeks, so you got a little rusty on that. And uh, uh, that's okay. We'll work that out of you in the next number of weeks. Lord willing. Hey, did you everyone get one of these cards? Please, I heard last week some of you sat on them. Like, really? Come on. So check your butt. Pull it out. Well, not bad. Uh, Just grab it and not your butt, but the card and have this and put it in your Bible, put it in your journal, put it in your purse, put it in your man purse, whatever you have. Take this. This is to go home and have it out and and something we're going to be referring to in a few moments. And and, um, and as you turn to Ephesians chapter 6, um, just thankful for Todd stepping in last week, short notice. Um, I just uh, still just didn't feel like I was uh, where I should be, and, um, and so thankful for Todd just uh, coming in and, and handling God's word so beautifully for us, and it was great to be here, and, um, and also, uh, yeah, just to be under the teaching of God's word. Just as reminders, we're starting this Fight Well series. Um, it's been a long time coming. Um, it just seems three weeks ago we were supposed to start this, and we got it started uh, in a sense today now. And um, and and just a reminder that these cards um, going to encourage you strongly be memorizing God's word, and they, this passage especially. You can memorize more than this. Some verses before that are great, as well as afterwards. But let's let's commit, parents encourage you to work with your kids in this. This is going to be something we're going to be working through biblically and, and, um, and encourage you to do that. We also have some t-shirts or some long sleeve shirts, great for Christmas gifts, but even more than that, as a great reminder for us daily to be putting on the armor of God. And so maybe you'll wear it as an undershirt just as a reminder or however you want to do that. You can order those um, online. There's details in the e-news about this. This isn't about marketing. This is about remembering, but then it's also about disciplining our minds and disciplining our lives to get fully dressed daily to prepare for battle that we are in. And so I'm going to start reading in Ephesians chapter 6, and then I'm going to get you to stand up. And, and when we hit verse 14, and that verse 14 will be in your, on your card, so you can read there, or it will be on the screen with you. And so I'm going to start reading verse 10, verse 14, get ready to stand, and we're going to stand on the truth of God's word today. Verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the scheme of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the day of evil. And having done all to stand, stand firm. Now stand up, even if you're at home, stand up where you are. Read this together with us. Let's declare this together. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. 
and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. You may be seated. I grew up in a church where there was an old hymn that we would sing from time to time by A.B. Simpson, Albert Benjamin Simpson, and it goes like this, and I cannot help but to think of these words as we start this series. There's a battle raging in the heavenly places. Sin and death and sickness with Satan leading on with the hosts of earth and hell arrayed against us. How in all our weakness shall the fight be won? How? Jesus giveth us the victory. He who overcame on Calvary overcomes again in you and me. Hallelujah. Jesus gives the victory. Amen? Amen. To live the Christian life in obedience to God and to his word is to be at war. To, to, and, and, and we need to realize this, everyone, everyone who is transferred by the grace of God from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God and, and, and has gone from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light into the kingdom of God, everyone who becomes a citizen of Christ's kingdom is caught up in a conflict, a cosmic conflict that has eternal significance to it. And these matters are getting worked out in our everyday lives. You see, life is more than just the physical realm of what you and I are seeing right now. It is so much more than that. It's so much more than the here and now. There's a war going on. It's in the heavenly places, in the unseen realm for the most part. And the war is between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Between the church of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of Satan. Loved ones, we are at war. We are in a war. And whether we like it or not, or even if you want to try to deny it or doubt it, we are at war. And Satan hates us, and he wants to destroy us. Listen to this statement. The same grace that reconciles a person to God also antagonizes that person to the evil one. The same grace that reconciles us, brings us into relationship with God, is also the same grace that antagonizes the evil one towards us. The evil one has been unable, if you are in Christ today, he's been unable to grab hold of you and keep you. He is unable to prevent us from becoming a child of God and staying a child of God, but he is now seeking to do everything in his power to prevent us from living as the children of God. Lack of power, lack of victory, living a complacent life tempting us with so many other things rather than being on fire for the Lord. And the committed follower of Jesus Christ is a prime target for Satan and his forces. And the committed follower of Jesus Christ is that target. And he is, he, we are some of his number one enemies. And yet, the good news is it is possible for us to stand firm. In fact, it is vital that we stand firm. It is possible to stand in victory as the victor and not as the victim. And some of us and some are getting beat up royally right now. 
And that can change as we work through today's message, as we work through this series together. Too many of God's people are falling prey, are falling victim to the onslaughts of the devil in often very subtle ways, lulled by complacency, by sin, by various distractions of this world. In ancient warfare, to be found standing at the end of the battle was to be the victor, to have won. And even as a nation, as we took time this past week to remember on November 11th, the cost, the fight for the freedoms that we have enjoyed as a nation and that many other nations have enjoyed because of Canadians who gave and sacrificed their lives. This week we saw sobering images like this, reminder of war and just the devastation that, our, that war can bring and the cost of our freedom. But let's face it, no soldier can go into battle and expect to win if they are unprepared, ill-equipped, or if they are alone. We must be prepared. We must be equipped, but also realize that we don't stand alone. No, we need one another. Bandaged, bruised, beat up, we need one another to depend on each other. We need to be a united army as God's people. And this today, as we're going to see, this is an urgent call. The tone here in God's word is militaristic. It's not a joke. And I think in so many ways, we have neutered the Christian faith to make it all about God's love and God's mercy, which is great, but have downplayed. We used to sing a song. Some of you would remember, onward Christian soldiers marching as to war. Maybe we need to bring that back because we are at war. We are. And yet it's like, oh, no, 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 no. We, we just let, let's make it all about God's love and just, just honestly neuter us to just be kind of neutralized in this. And then we just get set up to be prime targets for deception and defeat and discouragement and depression. So this is an urgent call. We are to stand firm. We are to stand, fir stand firm even as truth is being lost in our streets. We are to stand firm when sin and the ill effects of the sexual immorality that is going on in our culture, all the various philosophies, ideologies, which are now being viewed as normal and good, all the while God's word and God's standard are being mocked and disregarded and disobeyed, even by so-called Christians, justifying Sexual sin, justifying, lying, cheating, stealing. But there is no way that we can stand firm in our own power or our own strength to do that. It's going to set us up for trouble. Without the armor, we have nothing. And this is why we need to know, to understand, and then to put on the armor of God. So let's look today at three ways. I encourage you to have your pens out, write down some notes. There's, um, I, do we have those connection cards here, those paper versions of it, in case anyone needs a notepad or just some paper to write on? There's going to be lots of references today, and encourage you to be writing it down, as well as these three vital points. And if you need one of those, just, yeah, feel free to either get up or the ushers, just have some in your hand. If you need a piece of paper or a pen, raise your hand. Ushers will be on it. And uh, do we have those cards? Okay. I just want to make sure we have them, just so that if somebody wants some paper to write on, that'd be great. So let's look at three ways that we can stand firm. 
First of all, by understanding our position in Christ. And we see this from Ephesians chapter 1 through chapter 6. And the book of Ephesians that was so beautifully and powerfully read in our Sunday service two weeks ago. Um, It's all about understanding our position in Christ. It's so vital that we know our position in Christ. And the entire book of, of, of Ephesians could be summarized in these three words. Sit, walk, and stand. Sit, walk, and stand. And we see the, the word sit is about understanding our position in Christ. In the first three chapters, we see this, that if we are in Christ, we have then been seated with him positionally in heaven already. That is our position in Christ. We have been seated with him. If we have truly repented of our sins and we've turned from our ways, from going our own ways and have made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. And that is being demonstrated by a desire for obedience in our lives. Not just praying a prayer, but a a prayer that has a meaning to it and has a change to it. It then means that we have been seated with Christ And nothing can change that. We are no longer, Ephesians 2.2 says, we are no longer the sons of disobedience, no longer in the kingdom of darkness. But as Ephesians 2.6 states, we are now seated with Christ in the heavenly places. We are no longer in the enemy camp. This is our position in Christ. We have been seated with him. And nothing can change that. But next we, the next word we have, though, is for those of us that were seated in Christ. Here's the next thing, though. Then we're to walk. So we're to sit. We're to walk. Ver- chapter 4 and 5 is all about our ongoing experience in the Christian life. How we are continued in verse 4. It says to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. And we have instructions and teaching and commands on how we are to walk with and in Christ. Growing in daily obedience to him and to his word. And the third word that we see here is stand in chapter 6. This has to do with our attitude towards the enemy. It is by standing firm that we withstand the enemy. His attacks, we can withstand his attacks so that we can be found victorious in the end. But how do we do this standing? How do we do this standing firm? We do it by putting on the whole armor of God. Putting on the whole armor. So first, we stand firm by understanding our position in Christ. This is how we stand firm. Read the book of Ephesians again and again and again. We see how we are seated, how we are are to walk, and how we are to stand in Christ. But second of all, we stand firm by recognizing we are at war. Verse 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We, again, we are at war. And it's oftentimes this spiritual war, it's spiritual, it's cosmic, oftentimes invisible, most time invisible. But I need to tell you today, Satan is real. Demons are real. But we need a, biblical, a biblically balanced approach to understanding this war. And there's a dangerous of two extremes. Two extremes when it comes to spiritual warfare. One is being obsessed or oblivious. And we need a balance in this area. 
The first one of being obsessed. I think we have this up there. Is that on the note there? Something about being obsessed, just so people can get this. There we go. Um, obsessed or oblivious um, to this war. This is the thinking that the devil or the demons are behind everything. From that flat tire you got, oh, that devil did that, one of his demons. Or, or, or maybe they get your order wrong at Tim Hortons, and you just, you know, you blame that one on the devil. Or some people, and I've met them. Um, honestly, the other day, um, when I was out driving, I think I hit every red light on the way to the church office imaginable. There's about 15 of them. And I'm just like, okay, is it, you know, and right away, you just start thinking, okay, is this the devil that's doing it? No, it's just poor city planning. Um, sorry if you work for the city. Um, it was just my luck. Anyways, it, it, that actually was probably the Lord teaching me patience. And um, anyways, um, but, you know, there, you know, it's the devil behind the red light. Or, uh, I mean, and, and I know people who, who have done this where they believe the demon is the cause of them having to wear glasses. That somewhere in their development, something was wrong. It was a demon that, that attacked them, and now their eyes aren't quite right, and they have to wear glasses. So if you get rid of the demon and rebuke it or cast it out, that, then you have perfect 20-20 vision. But ironically, those people still continue to wear glasses um, or contacts. Anyways, um, and, and, and so there can be a dangerous obsession when it comes to the devil and demons and giving him way too much credit than what is needed. But there's also a danger in our entertainment and our um, allowing for the demonic in our lives, being obsessed, intrigued by movies, books, games that portrays demons, curses, spells, and exorcisms. Can I really encourage you? Stay clear of that. And some of you, like, you love that kind of stuff. You may even have some obsession with it. You're playing right into the enemy's hands. Seriously. We need to, can I j just encourage you, I mean, and, and some, some people have thought that we have had an obsession with um, horror shows and, and that kind of thing, because our daughter's name is Clarice. And, um, and then we had a dog for like 16 years that his name was Cujo. And now, if you know that, and by the laughter of a few of you, you obviously have, you know something about those movies, because those are names out of horror movies. And um, we haven't watched either, I think those are two separate movies from what I understand. We haven't watched those, and so we haven't had that kind of obsession. But parents, protect, warn, guide your kids in this area. Our son is 20 years old. And just recently, he was telling me how he got together with some of his friends, and and they were going to do a movie marathon night one evening. And, and I said, oh, what were you going to marathon? He says, through the Harry Potter movies. And, uh, and he says, oh, Dad, I fell asleep. He says, I, I just didn't get it. Um, uh, he, he, he fell asleep, and he woke up, and everyone else was kind of dozed and whatever. And then I, after hearing that, I, I, I said to him, hey, Nate, you know what? Can I just encourage you, your dad? You're smart. You're wise. You love the Lord. I encourage you not to watch that junk. You don't need to fill your mind with, with that kind of fantasy or that kind of thing. I say, you're 20 years old, you're, you'll make your decision, but just as your dad, can I encourage you in this? Now, you might think that sounds legalistic, controlling, or harmless, and it's just entertainment. No, God's word says, Ephesians 4.27, we are not to give the devil a foothold. Why be intrigued with those kind of things? There's so many other ways that we can be filling our time and our lives. So many other good things that we can encourage our children to watch or to read. And there's other ways, though. And so you say, hey, Melvin, that's kind of picking on me. Or, you know, and, 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 
And you can send me stuff afterwards if you want on how you can justify it. I just, like, why? When we see what the devil is doing in people's lives and in marriages, why? But he puts, there's footholds in other ways. It's just not through movies and the entertainment. It's Ephesians 4.27 tells us by being angry and staying angry at someone, loved one, government, official, whoever it might be. We're told not to give the devil a foothold. Don't let the sun go down on our anger. Bitterness and unforgiveness, resentment, lust. These are all footholds of the enemy. Another way we give the devil a foothold and, 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 and we can be just, just playing into his hands is by seeing the Bible as just a suggestion book rather than our ultimate authority. We justify things. We can justify living in areas of sinfulness in our lives. Lord willing, we're going to see as we work through this series that by holding on or allowing or participating in just even some of these kind of subtle things that we just don't think is a big deal is that we get, we're being outwitted by Satan and falling into his trap. Even, folks, by spending more time. If you're spending more time reading and studying about everything COVID and everything going on government and everything going on in this way than you are about the Word of God, you are being trapped by the enemy. If we would be in the Word of God, if we would be praying for one another, rather than the obsession on social media or on chats or different things that we have, all around us. Get off that junk. And get into the word of God. We are at war. We are at war. Too many of God's people have given areas of their lives over to the control of the enemy and don't even realize it. And it starts with intrigue, obsession, research, holding or harboring onto sin or disobedience to God's word. No wonder at war. we're at war. No wonder we're getting beat up and broken down. But there's also a danger of being oblivious when it comes to Satan and spiritual warfare. This can happen by thinking that the devil and demons are just a myth or a cartoon character or, you know, just someone who kind of goes around in a red suit with a pitchfork and horns. The devil is no joke. Demons are no joke. I encourage you, if you have any sort of demonic stuff in your home, get rid of it. Go have a book or a game or a costume burning this afternoon. Yeah, make sure you do it safely. Like, oh, our pastor told us to do this. Fire department pulls up. <laughs> it's just not a joke. He's a real foe. And we're at war. And we are to be aware he's real, he's powerful, and he's a foe to us as believers in Christ. If you're not a believer in Christ today, you're not much of a challenge for him because you're already in his dungeon. Get out only through Jesus. If we are in Christ, we do not need to live in fear of the devil because though his power is great, his power is also limited. We know from God's word that Satan is defeated. He is a defeated foe. He will not win the spiritual war. But every time he gets a Christian to be distracted, away from God, away from his word, from fellowship with others, Whenever he gets someone to give up on the church, 
he wins a little spiritual battle. The evil one has been unable to prevent a child of God from becoming a child of God. So now he's going to do everything in his power to prevent us from living as the children of God. Satan wants nothing more than to rob us of God's power, God's victory, God's joy, his peace, even the assurance of our salvation. How many times even people in this room doubt whether you're saved or not? You don't know. You're battling in, in this area, and God, he, he wants us to have this assurance. But it's often because we've allowed footholds and doors open for the enemy to bring accusations and because we don't know the word of God to stand on it. So in between oblivious and being obsessed, there's, between these extremes, there's God's perspective. There's the word of God, and this is where we need to turn. And one thing we know is that his power is unseen, but it's real. The raging battle is, the, is for the most part unseen, but, but it's very much truly we're at war. It's like the wind. You can't see it, but you can see and experience the effects of the wind. We had some pretty good wind the other night and a lot of leaves and junk blowing around. We didn't see the wind, but we saw the effect on it in the same way in the spiritual realm. The spiritual forces of evil that Paul is talking about here in this passage, he's referring to the devil and to demons. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 and 9, it tells us that demons are fallen angels. They join Lucifer, or a.k.a. Satan, in his rebellion against the Lord, against God. In Ezekiel 28, you read about that. And they were subsequently kicked out of heaven, and their relationship with God and his holy angels was permanently destroyed. Now, Satan can only be at one place at one time. He's not omnipresent, but he gives that appearance that he is because he has demons that do his work. And he gives the illusion of being everywhere at all times because the number of demons would number in probably the millions upon millions. He only got one-third of them, though. There's two-thirds of God's holy angels at war, at fight. He possesses supernatural power, but his power is not unlimited. He's out on bail right now, and one day he will be defeated. But he has power, and his demons have power. In the end, they will be totally defeated. We read about that in Revelation 20. Now, we can't see the battle, but we sure see the effect and the sin and the brokenness and the confusion. Here's something else about this war. It's organized and it's ugly. Look at what it says here, verse 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We're going to see that the fights that we're having in our lives, we think it's with this person, that person, that political figure, that family member, that employee, that boss, whatever it is. No. Our battle, it says, is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This language here is that of order. It is that of rank, of position, of authority structures. The enemy is clearly organized and has organized attacks, has different ranks, different officers in this spiritual battle. And Satan has arranged his forces against God's people. And you and I, the church of Jesus Christ, we are targets of his schemes. 
Satan has a strategy for every one of us. And the Bible talks about familiar spirits. Read about this in Leviticus 19, Deuteronomy 18. These are demons that have been assigned to us. You have demons that have been assigned to you, been watching you, learning, knowing everything about you from the moment of your birth. They know us, they study us, they know our weaknesses, they know our strength, and they will stop at nothing in order to victimize us towards Satan's purposes. And when you hear of people wanting to talk to a dead loved one, first of all, if you ever hear it, discourage it. But when and if they say that they do, they're not talking to the dead loved one. When a person dies, it's either heaven or it's hell. And there's no communication with people here on this earth. But oftentimes, with the help of a witch or a medium or things like transcendental meditation, drugs, alcohol, people end up talking to familiar spirits thinking it's their lost loved one or their departed loved one. But that's a familiar spirit that has watched and studied and assigned to that person throughout their lives and now is portraying to be that dead person. This is from God's word. The enemy is organized and he's ugly. Let's not give him a foothold. Here are some of the other things. Get get ready to write this down or if you're watching it at home or even here, I don't know if you can screenshot it or take a picture of this. These are important references. Here are some of the things that we know about Satan. He destroys God's word, Matthew 4, verse 6. He loves to distort it. He's a ruler over demons. He's the God of this world. He's the prince of the power of this air. He's the accuser of Christians. He blinds people spiritually. He hinders God's servants. He condemns new believers. He loves to snare new believers. He prowls around like a lion looking to devour and all of these, if you're listening just on audio, whatever, this all, these all have uh, scripture references tied to them. And go back on uh, the video version of this message and you can get these if you don't get them written down. But Lee is going to leave them up for a while. The evil one loves to sneak up on us. I mean, maybe it happened to you today. You could be having the best day ever. I mean, everything is going great with you, your family, with the Lord. There's joy and love. You have a heart in your song, a song in your heart. You can be worshiping in church, and boom, just like that, ambushed with the craziest of thoughts, with fear, with a panic attack, reminders all of a sudden come back from our past, vivid, vivid images. He just loves to come at us morally and intellectually, he loves to just shoot fiery darts towards us. He loves to rob us of our assurance that we ought to have in Christ, of our purity, and fill us with guilt and shame. Oh, you'll never get forgiveness for that one. Oh, after doing that, God's never going to forgive you for that. How many people are defeated with that even today? We need to know God's word. He can inject thoughts into our minds that we think are our own. You say, how do you know that? Write down Acts chapter 5. Read about Ananias and Sapphira. That morning when they were having their morning coffee, scrambled eggs, and we're talking about the the offering that they were going to give that day to the Lord's work. We're told Satan put those thoughts in their minds to, hey, let's make it look like we did this. Instead, we'll give this, and, and we'll keep some for ourselves. And 
They had no idea that Satan was filling their minds with that. He loves to inject thoughts about suicide, divisiveness, bitterness, hatred, false guilt, anger, occult practices, sexual immorality, pornography, cheating, stealing. All of these thoughts and thinking and, and, and arrows can be traced back to the ideas that Satan has put into our minds. We need to protect the head. We need to protect the mind. He's organized. He's ugly. But notice here in Ephesians 6, it's important to see the placement of the armor of God section. Have you ever thought about the placement of it? I, I, I didn't until like three weeks ago when I was supposed to preach this sermon, and now it's been baking in that oven ever since. What instructions are just before this? Instructions on marriage, instructions on parent and children, and instructions about our work. It's not placed there by chance. Oh, yeah, I better throw this in there as Paul's writing, guided by the Holy Spirit. No, it's here for a purpose. The call to stand firm and put on the whole armor of God comes strategically after these instructions because these are the three areas the enemy loves to go after in the life of the believer in a major way. Go back all the way to the beginning of the Bible, back to the very beginning, a very good place to start. Go to Genesis 3. What does the rebellious angel Lucifer, who's cast out of heaven, what does he do in Genesis 3? He appears as a serpent in the garden. And immediately, what does he do? He attacks Adam and Eve's marriage, brings division. Later, he causes chaos with the kids, Cain and Abel. Cain kills his brother. He goes after the family. And then he sours as we see the whole process of work, which was to be a gift from God, something beautiful. And so work becomes full of thorns and thistles and toil and sweat and everything else. So should we be surprised today when he goes hard after marriage and our children and our family and our work? Your biggest battle is not your spouse. It's not your kids. Kids, teenagers, your biggest battle aren't your parents. You may think they are. Man, if I just had a new set. Your biggest problem isn't your boss or your employees. If we see things that way, and if that's the way we're aiming and going through the week, we're fighting the wrong fight. He's organized. He's ugly. That's all part of the devil's strategy. And that's why it's vital that we recognize that we are at war with a real and serious, organized and ugly enemy. But thirdly, we need to be standing, we need to stand firm knowing we have been equipped for the battle. Look what it says, verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord. In the strength of your might, put on the whole armor of God. Isn't someone going to say, halt, Melvin, you messed up? Anyone? Halt, Melden, you messed up. Can someone say that? Yes, thank you. No, it, did you even catch what I said? Yeah. Thanks, Trish. Someone did. I said, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of your might. No, Melden, halt, you messed up. In the strength of his might. His might. Circle that in your Bibles. Put on the whole Circle that in your Bible, whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the scheme of the devil. 
Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. I'm not making up the word whole. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand firm. The devil is real. He's a powerful opponent. Far too powerful for you to think that you can take it on, take him on on your own. Just ask the seven sons of Sceva about that in Acts 19 and how well that went from that for them. Ran out naked and bleeding, thinking they could take on the devil. Huh. Yes, we need to know our enemy, his schemes, his wiles, as the King James Version puts it, his strategies. But more than that, we need to know how to gain the victory. We need to know that victory is possible. Our focus needs to be not on Satan, not on the devil, not on his demons, but on Christ and the strength and the power and the victory that he provides. Notice it says to be strong in the Lord. If we're going to fight well, if we're going to stand firm, it's in Christ, in Christ alone. And this is where the armor comes in. But it's not just having knowledge of the armor. It's developing the discipline to put it on every day. This morning I went down to the garage and I found um, my old hockey bag. This is from my uh, illustrious hockey career um, in college, church league hockey. And, um, you know, found a few items. And, and in order to play hockey, y- you need to put on certain equipment if you're going to be a real player and play the real game. And, uh, you know, you got, well, this is kind of, Rob, you would love this, this ugly Philly kind of looking jersey, but I mean, there's all the different parts of, you know, that's needed. And in order to put on um, your hockey equipment or, you know, for any kind of sport, you need things like tape and you need, you know, some shin pads, you need a number of things that are all helpful and and necessary. Remember one time playing hockey and uh, I was late and I was running in. I was running in late, and it got dressed quickly, and soon as I hit the ice, the game had already started, I hit the ice, and I forgot one part of the equipment. Whew, a little chilly. And also it was, I didn't have time to go and put on that until the first period was over, and so I played very cautiously. Um, I forgot my cup. You know, and so you just don't go ahead and go and do that kind of thing. Well, I knew where to find my hockey equipment today, and I think if I, it's been a few years, and it still smells a little bit, but um, uh, I think I'd remember how to put it on. But how about for us as believers? We just read about the armor of God. If you've been in church for a period of time, you've heard the word of God and maybe, or the armor of God and you've memorized it and, you know, and so maybe, you know what, like, we we know where this spiritual, you know, we know some stuff about uh, the armor and, and, oh, there's the cup, didn't forget it that time, but, you know, we've got this spiritual armor going on, but are we putting it on? We know about it, we're carrying it around with us wherever we go, maybe, have to clean up for the end here, but but we're told to put on the whole armor. We're told to put it on daily, but do we know what the armor is? You see, this is what we're going to see as we work through this series, and this is why, I mean, we are hoping to get it all done before Christmas. We're probably not, because we're going to go through each piece of this armor week by week, because we need to know, because you know what the armor is? 
The armor is the gospel. It's taking hold of what's already been given to us. And that's why we're told twice, put on the whole armor, but we need to know what each part of the armor is and what it does. And we might think that the gospel, listen, the gospel is more, the gospel is the good news, but it's simplistic. It's infantile to think that the gospel is simply John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting. That's an awesome truth. Yes, that's the gospel summarized. But the gospel is more than that, and we need the pieces of the armor, which is the gospel. That God clothes us in nothing less than his own armor. The same armor that Christ has already worn here on this earth on our behalf. Jesus wore the armor and won the victory. And it's in his strength. And with his armor, we can stand. But Satan wants us to abandon the belt of truth. He wants us to forget about the breastplate of righteousness, to forget about the shield of faith or the shoes of the gospel of, of peace or the sword of the spirit. He wants us to forget about the helmet of salvation. You and I can stand safe and secure in the victory that has already been accomplished in Christ because of his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and he won the victory. And because of that, we can stand through the ongoing work of Christ in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can stand firm. We can fight well. But sadly, way too many Christians are getting beat up, not realizing we're in the battle, have been lulled into complacency, having lost fellowship or closeness with the Lord. I believe so many of God's people, we don't enjoy that today. Instead, just going through spiritual motions, and there's a danger that exists in thinking that once you get to a certain age, you know, you've had a few good years as being a Christian or maybe decades of being a Christian, you think that the battle will become less. Are you kidding me? So many don't finish well. So many drift. Don't subscribe to that kind of thinking. We're at war, but it's a winnable war to stand in victory. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. You think you've got it together. You think you've got this Christian life mastered? Smarten up. That's, that's, that's crazy thinking is what Paul is telling us here. It's about your marriage. It's about your kids. It's about your parents. It's about your grandkids. It's about your, it's about your job. It's about your entire life. How good God is that he has done his part in making the armor available for us to stand firm, for us to fight well. But we need to choose, are we going to use it? Are we going to put it on? Or are we just going to keep drifting along and keep getting pounded? I believe God is calling us as a church to pray. To pray, to stand, to stand firm, to fight well. Let's pray. And Heavenly Father, we're aware that Satan is having a field day in the minds and lives of so many people, whether that be in our church or in the church of Jesus Christ worldwide. Guilt, fear, shame, sin, addiction, insecurities, pornography, sexual sin of all sorts, 
so many ways that the enemy just has found footholds to get into our lives and to get into our families. Or maybe it's because of sleepy saints not recognizing we're at war, not preparing daily for the battle. And because of that, we've become powerless and relatively ineffective for you. God, we repent of that. Help us to see that we are at war. May we not be outwitted by Satan. May our minds not start entertaining the thoughts of the inner lawyer of things that were said today and just kind of scoff or laugh at it or think it's not a big deal. This is a big deal. Awaken your church. Awaken us. God, I pray that there would be deep and great commitments here to to unpack and open up, not just leave in the garage the armor of God, not just leave in our minds or in the backseat of our car, but we would learn how important it is that we put it on every day. We place that over our homes. God, I pray for men to stand up and to take that spiritual leadership that you have asked them to, commanded them to, in their homes, to protect their family through the armor of God. God, would we stand firm in pursuit of you. May we grow in victory. May we grow in kingdom effectiveness as we go in the power and the strength that you provide. Because it's only in you, Jesus, where we find our strength, our power, and our victory. It's in Christ, in Christ alone.